Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hey guys, Maximilian X here on the top of the episode um, with a special message from the team. We made a survey to gauge what people think of Game Rivals. Please fill this in as it will help us make the content that you would enjoy. The link for this is in the description for the episode, or you can find the link also on our Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals underscore. Thank you for your attention, and now back to the main episode. Alrighty. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Game Rivals. Um, I think we should maybe give this one the subtitle Stadia Edition because we're going to talk a lot about Stadia. It's finally out. Um, we're, I'm going to try not to butcher it because that's what I feel like I've been doing the last few weeks. But Maximilian just said, hey, all bets are off. I can promise you. So um, as usual, I'm here with my <laughs> co-host, Maximilian. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm okay. It's a little bit chilly here in the small land of the frogs, but yeah. Uh, I'm living. It's good. It's good. Well, that's good to hear. Let's get right into it in our first segment, the news. You want to start with Stadia or you want to save that till the end? Let's start it because otherwise we're going to be here forever. Um, So Stadia's out. Um, Big shocker. Finally, finally. But here's the thing. Should it be finally, though? Because if we look at all the reports that have been coming out lately, the launch being what it was. We've talked about the launch last time. Um, I want to focus more on the stuff that came out afterwards. So here's the thing. One of the things that have come out lately is that apparently some people have been experiencing after long play sessions with Stadia on the Chromecast um, that the Chromecast overheats and then shuts down. (laughs) and apparently google's like no they're not supposed to overheat because they're not supposed to we tested it it doesn't overheat i believe they said that in testing it does not overheat and it does not cause any issues as such but you know it still does yeah but here's the thing they do it the tests are always done in a controlled environment so also we don't know how long they've been testing them for like consecutive hours and I get why it would happen, because apparently the Chrome Ultra is, first of all, an old piece of tech. It's three years old now. And two, even with video streaming in 4K, it seems to be having a similar issue over time. So people streaming Netflix 4K have been having similar issues. But the only difference is with um, Stadia, it happens a lot sooner mostly because the 4K content is not being buffered into the in the Chromecast Ultra because it's live feed. Yeah. So, yeah, it it's processing a lot of data live. That that's going to at a certain point it's going to keel over. Yeah, so what I find baffling is that when Stadia was first announced, they said it's going to be 
4K, 60 FPS in HDR, like is the right place to play these games. And um, so far, reports have come out that Red Dead Redemption 2 is running at 2540 by 1600. So that's 2560p. Dynamically, by the way. Dynamically, and is capped at 30 frames. And uh, Destiny 2 is running at full HD on medium settings, and it is being upscaled with all sorts of fancy techniques to 4K. That kind of is disappointing because that's not what we were promised. And Google quickly came out with, yeah, but the technology is there. It's just up to the developers to to optimize their games uh, and utilize it because I believe with the Tomb Raider games, they are running in 4K and all that. But yeah, there's uh, there's like a handful of games yeah. that the, the thing that bugs me native. is that you buy the stadia premiere or founders edition and you get a free game which is destiny that game well sh- destiny and samurai showdown and samurai. so i believe that destiny or at least the game that you bundle with it should be an it should ace a, every a fla- it should be a flagship title yeah it should be either flagship title or it should demonstrate the full capabilities of the platform. So it should run at ultra 60 FPS or even more at HDR. It should be like, this is why you spend $130 or bucks or whatever. This is Stadia and you will love this. And now it's more like uh, cowering behind an excuse and saying, hey, well, you know, the technology is there, but, you know, you have to optimize your game. I'm like... Well, that's not what we what, what we agreed upon when we started this. Especially when they touted, oh, our, our teraflops is like the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X combined. And yet, I'd still probably get a better results on either of those systems than on Stadia. Yeah, I mean, the Xbox One X version of uh, Destiny 2 has a higher quality than the Stadia version, which is strange. As Google yeah. would put it, because I mean, Stadia is the best place to play, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, here's the thing. I mean, we I know that we continually tend to bash on Stadia, but here's the main takeaway from the Stadia launch: the tech works. Yeah. Like the tech works. No matter what the little things that they haven't finished yet, that you can't use the Stadia controller. Um, wirelessly if you're playing on uh, PC or on mobile, um, or the fact that um, 4K is not available through the browser just yet, that's fine. The point is those tech works. If you log in, if you have an account, you log in, you select the game, you jump in, it starts right up. Load times are fast. If you have a stable enough connection and there's no other interferences, it runs smooth as butter. And yeah. there's and there's very little lag. Outside from that, though, <laughs> outside from that, though, it's been a horrible mess in terms of PR and people's experiences trying to get it to work and trying to play it in a stable environment. Because here's the thing when you're streaming something. When you're streaming a video, as I said before, it gets buffered, which means it gets preloaded into whatever device you're using to watch, and you can watch it without any disturbances pending on a stable network connection. But since Stadia is a live feed, 
any other interruptions on your network will hinder your performance when you're playing Stadia. So for example, if you're playing Stadia in 4K on your Chromecast Ultra and someone decides to haul in like a whole bunch of data at the same time, your your network is going to get overloaded and you're going to get stutters in it. That's just the way things are. Even if you have twice or three times as much uh, above uh, the recommended speeds for 4K Ultra. And don't even get me started on when you actually only have the minimum requirements because then it's it's wonky. It's, it's going to be wonky. Even though they say you need 35 Mbits per second to play 4K uh, 60 frames, that doesn't mean that it's a stable. It's what's required to achieve it. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, We're going to have to see. Oh, here's actually another article that actually popped up recently because um, with Stadia Pro, every month you get a new game, right? Yeah. So for the month of December, they decided to give two games again like they did with the launch. Tomb Raider Definitive Edition and uh, Farming Simulator 19. (laughs) <laughs> here's the thing though both games were available at launch to purchase yeah meaning that people bought either or both of these titles already and now you're just giving it away for free which obviously made people less than happy but this is the only thing that at least google has um picked up on and handled it well because they have stated that if you are if you purchased either of the titles, um, it's fine if you request a refund because you know Mia culpa, um, you bought the game, but now it's free, you feel cheated, you're not supposed to feel cheated. So at least with that aspect, they are picking it up right. And that's uh, the least they can do. Uh... The very least. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm happy to see that the tech works. I've I've looked at some reviews, and the reviews are like general consensus is the technology is there. It works in some cases. There's some minor uh, lag or latency, whatever. But all the reviews I checked have been around American-based reviews. I'm mm-hmm. really curious to see because here in the Netherlands we have a lot of uh, places or. We have stable, fast internet everywhere. So I'm I'm curious to see if if we're going to experience any of those issues, especially when you have a wired connection. Um, the the thing that is a little bit of a bummer is is that like the usability of Stadia is a bit something they can improve on because you have to purchase the apps through an the games through an app, mm-hmm. and you can buy it through the service directly. And, you have to launch the service through the app too. Yeah, so like, why do I need a second device to do that? And well, the con- controller is not wireless yet. They only support Google phones yet to take it on the go. Um, a lot of the social features aren't there yet. You know, these are these mm-hmm. smaller things, but like, and that's something we came back to a while back. Is that they should have, I think it would have been better. They just delayed it and said, hey, it's going to come out Q1 2020 and then have all those features there. Um, or at least say, okay, we're going to do a beta launch in, at the beginning of this year. Um, you know, we'll have like an entry fee and an early access fee and uh, we'll launch next year. And then at least people can try it out, give some feedback. 
um, and, and then they could have grown the library in the meantime. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm happy again that the technology is there and that it's working because it will automatically, it's, it's health competition. So this will also trigger Sony and trigger Microsoft to also have a look at- It already has. Yeah, I mean, with, yeah. with Microsoft and with Amazon, apparently. Yeah, you hadn't heard that, did you? No. Yeah, Amazon is also stepping into the ring of streaming video games. Yeah, I mean, they already have game developers. They're not doing anything. Might as well set them up to make games for a streaming service. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know. But yeah, Google has, you know, pressed the start button and everybody's, you know, getting rowdy and gearing up. But that's good. That's healthy competition because it, it forces innovation. It forces people and companies to iterate on what they have. Because, for example, I've tried PlayStation now, maybe like two years ago, and it was okay. It wasn't what I expected out of it, but it was okay-ish. There was still some stuttering here and there. And even though that I had a stable connection, um, it wasn't like what I would have expected. So what I would hope with these things is like when the new PlayStation comes out next year, that they can at least have something there as well to say, okay, hey, if you want to have some experience on the go, on your tablet or your smartphone or your laptop, and we have that as well. Uh, for example, remote play. I've tried it on my uh, on my computer or my laptop a couple of times, and that works. Yeah, the, the no quality. remote play is fine. It works yeah. fine. Yeah, and share play, for example, is another feature that I love. Uh, I think we share played Formula One once, and it worked mm-hmm. seamlessly. You yeah, know? I didn't have any. I mean, that's how I that's how I um, initially played Spider Man. No, well, there you go. And I mean, yeah. if you can enjoy it that way without any obstacles having impact on the experience and that's like those are things that are good so I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes um as soon as google and i think google will do that pretty fast is open up stadia pro to everyone instead of saying you can only have it if you have a founder's edition um maybe well, even the before question, the end of this year well that's the question right because that's what they said they would do that stadia pro would come out before the end of the year yeah so who knows? I don't know. Um, I want to try it. I mean, like for now, I mean, partially you can't always give an opinion without having trying it yourself. Exactly. Um, and we're constantly bashing it. So I hope that <laughs> uh, by trying it, I'll be less bashy. I mean, I'm, I want to give it a try. And again, if we can get to the place where this is the most complete experience to play, then, for example, I would want to play Cyberpunk on Stadia. If I get... Yeah. 4K 60 in ultra with HDR instead of 1080p in medium upscale to 4K because then I'll just buy it on a PS5 or whatever. Yeah. Did we talk about um, last uh, last episode? We we talked about uh, XO19, yeah. uh, Microsoft's uh, yeah, fan event. They talked about xCloud back then. Yeah. We briefly and they, they also talked about the fact that Game Pass was coming to xCloud. Oh, I didn't know that, and I didn't get that one. Ah, okay, yeah. So game, so Game Pass, the full Game Pass library, will be available on XCloud. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice, and that's how Stadia should have been. Exactly. I mean, now, like, whenever XCloud launches, Microsoft will have the upper hand because if you already have a, a Game Pass um, subscription. You get xCloud, which I don't know how much they're going to charge for that, but I'm sure they're going to make another bundle like they did with um, Game Pass Ultra or Ultimate. 
where you have the um, you have the subscription for your PC and for your Xbox all bundled into one for fifteen bucks a month, mm-hmm. which is a killer deal, by the way. So I'm really curious when that's gonna launch and see how that's gonna affect the game, you know? Because with when that launches next to Stadia, that's probably gonna be around for a, a couple of months by then. Yeah. How is that gonna change the landscape? How is going? How is that going to affect um, Google's strategy going forward? You know? And how is that going to affect whatever decisions Amazon's gonna make before they launch their streaming platform the funny thing is is uh, amazon is already um helping out a lot of companies with their technology i think sony switched to amazon's uh, servers for uh playstation now and uh, there are some other companies that also rely on amazon web services no 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 they switched to microsoft uh, azure but before it was running on on amazon i believe and now they switch yeah that's right yeah they switched to, to microsoft but like they have already companies for example uh, Amazon also does the the cloud services for uh, Formula One. During the mm. race, there's a lot of calculations that are being done, uh, and they show that to the viewer, for example. And it's all powered by Amazon Web Services. So when they when a car comes in to uh, to pit, then they already do a calculation to show like, okay, if he pits now, he will end up blah 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 on the grid when he comes out, or his striking distance will be like in five laps, he can overtake that many positions or the number one, for example. And those are things are all powered by Amazon Web Services. So they are, like, they have a lot of space. And I think, like, besides Azure, I always hear it's either Amazon or it's Azure. I don't hear anything else around cloud-based services. So it's the, mm, both, like, kind of the market lead. As far as I could tell, um, Google isn't doing anything in terms of, as far as I can tell, there are no uh, there are no gaming services um, that use Google's cloud services. So I don't know. I mean, there are you know businesses use Google's cloud tech to do their thing, but like that's about it. Okay. So, um, speaking of Microsoft, um, during that EXO event, a new interview uh, came out where uh, Sean Spencer. Sorry, Phil. Why did I say Sean Spencer? Who's I have Sean Spencer? No idea. Oh, damn it! It's that, Phil wow. Harrison. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sean Spencer is a was part of the White House. I don't know why I was suddenly thinking about oh that my name. God. This um, is not a political podcast. Yeah, this is not a political games. podcast. I don't know where, where that came from. Anyway, Phil Spencer was talking about Project Scarlet and how it was not focusing on VR. Because their fans are not asking for it. Now, to give it a little bit more context here, let me bring it up real quickly. Um, basically, what he said was um, they're looking to the market um, and what their fans are asking for. And the fans are not asking for, um, for VR. Uh, he also explained that the fans that are looking for VR know where to look for VR experiences currently, you know, mostly on computer and other other places, <laughs> meaning the PlayStation VR. Well, they um, do kind of support VR in a way that on uh, Microsoft uh, and Windows, they have a lot of support for VR headsets. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. They accommodate the need for players there. 
Oh, sure. Yeah, that that's not a problem. I mean, they don't mind if you're doing it on PC. They're just saying, or Phil Spencer's just saying that there's not a ask for it on consoles, um, at least not from their perspective. And true, um, the, like it's not a million selling industry. It's not. It's not like they're selling millions of a VR headset every month. Um, it's probably a couple of hundred thousand, uh, if that, you know? So it's not cheap. I mean, it's gotten cheaper with um, the Oculus Quest. 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 <laughs> ah, mush mouth today. The Oculus Quest, the the Oculus Rift S, stuff like that is cheaper. PlayStation VR is a cheaper option as well. If you're going for the high-end stuff, you can do that, of course, um, with uh, the, the, the Index, Valve's Index, and uh, the HTC Vive and stuff like that, or any mixed reality headset that you can buy for, uh, for a Windows computer. Those options are there. People know that it exists, but they are not asking from Microsoft themselves, or at least from the Xbox division, please implement VR. That's what he's saying. I think um, it's the right call to make, and I know that for now it is. Yeah, because I know that like Sony it, yeah, is is working on VR too, and it's going to be wireless and whatnot. But I genuinely wonder if there is a place for VR in the world, because like I feel like it's something like 3D. You know, when 3D was was coming out, a lot of focus was placed on uh, on, on 3D. And it kind of got like this silent death, and nobody talked about three D anymore. Yeah, but with three, but with three D, it always comes and goes. It was the same thing in the eighties. Three D was like the thing, and then it came and went without anybody ever batting an eye at three D because a, it was it was expensive, and b, it was only in dual colors. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. even though the tech got better over the years, um, people see it as a fad. They'll They'll check it out a bit and then they'll drop it. And I think the problem looked... with, with with VRs is that there are on PC. I think there are a lot of smaller titles on it. Like a, there's a pretty big indie community for VR. So on platforms such as Steam or the Epic Games, where you can get a lot of games for VR. But on console, there is not enough content there to justify the purchase of a four or three hundred dollar psvr or whatnot and on consoles the only headset you can use is the vr or the psvr right now and yeah, like and there's there's not enough of them out there to justify the input in, yeah, in like, uh i think they in, can in invest investing in it yeah the, it uh, the vr at least the playstation vr is the best-selling vr headset because they've sold over a million well that's something about how hot it is because you, know, you would expect it to be higher in all these years mm -hmm. um but it, it is the best-selling VR headset, I think, namely also because of the price. I mean, the bigger, the, the higher-end ones on PC are all seven, eight hundred euros, even more, maybe. But like, yeah, I mean, the, the Quest is the cheapest there. one there is right now. Yeah, yeah, there is, there is just, there's ain't enough content to justify buying that that thing because um, maybe Sony rolls out one or two, maybe three title, good titles for VR in a year, and that's it, and then. Um, yeah, I, I heard, for example, that Resident Evil 7 is a an amazing VR experience. It's super creepy, like horrifying. I'm like, yeah, well, I don't want to play that because I'm not into <laughs> that kind of, you know? Yeah, and I don't want to play it that way because I'm a big scaredy pants. 
I'm not a fan of horror as well, but uh, <laughs> but for example, like I'm, I'm happy that those experiences exist. But it's just like you can maybe count it on one hand, maybe on two mm. hands. Whereas you would want to say like, oh, I have this amazing list of VR titles you have to play. Because if someone were to ask me, hey, should I buy a PlayStation right now? I would say, hey, maybe it is an amazing time to buy a PlayStation right now because you have this huge library of games you can already play. And mm-hmm. and, and I can give you a list of, of all amazing experiences. Whereas with if people were to say, hey, should I buy a VR? I'm like, no, man, hold off on that. I, would, I wouldn't bet my money on that. Yeah, I mean, at least on PlayStation VR, I would hold off until yeah. the next generation yeah. comes. Speaking of VR, though, um, guess who is making video games again? Uh, is it uh, the company that has teased us forever around Half-Life Episode 3 or Half-Life 3 and now uh, suddenly has found the urge to develop a game again? Yes, after 12 years, they're finally bringing out a new game, and it's VR. Half-Life Alex got announced, like, what, a week ago? Something like that, yeah. And um, I, there, is, there was this interview with Jeff Keighley that I still have to watch, though. Apparently, it, was, it goes more into, into depth as to why they did this. But basically, it, gum, it comes down to... Um, they're always apparently developing and dropping projects within Valve um, in terms of gaming. Um, a lot of when, and the reason for that is that when they want to make a new game, they want to make something that's new and different and hasn't been done before, or um, that the text there to realize whatever vision they have at that moment. And with VR, they felt that the time was right and the tech was there to finally bring it forth. So that's why we're getting uh, Half-Life Alex. Um, they are marketing it as a premium title. But previously, all the... Or previously. Um, with all past VR titles, with exception of a handful of other games, they were more experiences more than what you would say a full on a full on game mm-hmm. with the exception of say Astrobot or um what's the PlayStation one Blood and uh I think it came out this year Blood and Honor Blood, no, what was it what was it Blood and Sand Blood and I forget um like people type those two experiences as very good VR experiences Blood and Truth Thank you Blood and Truth um, people tend to doubt those two as like prime experiences for VR. Yeah, I believe these games did get good reviews for the games that they were. Yeah, and let's not forget uh, Beat Saber, which everybody. I played that one loves. in VR, which is actually a nice one. Yeah, okay. I haven't tried it out yet because I have yet to find a place where I can play that. I experienced um, VR for the first time this year. I mean, like. In the beginning of the year, otherwise I would never have touched. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like uh, you know, you need to have I mean, space, and you need to have like yeah, either a beefy computer or a good game you want to play. There are like a lot of side conditions beside the initial investment of the headset. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So they announced that it's coming out. The trailers out. If you want to watch it, it looks it's pretty. Like it is really pretty. Um, for 
for for what it is for for the fact that it's a VR game and it looks very interactive. Um, the thing though is, like I said, it is a premium title, so it's sixty bucks. But they have said that anybody that purchases the um, uh, Valve Index gets it for free. Oh, that's which. Nice. Yeah, it should be since the Valve Index costs like twelve hundred bucks. <laughs> I know it's apparently the best VR headset currently there. It sounds like it should be because you, I think you still need to set up certain things. Like you have to put up this lighthouse, uh, a lighthouse or two lighthouse. What's plural lighthouse? I don't know. Um, lighthouse. But it does have inside out tracking for um, improved accuracy and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think the controllers as well are like really good because it registers individual hand movement or finger movement, I believe, as well. Yeah, uh, I saw a video on YouTube and they like showed that the that you could just lift certain fingers and then they would show up in the game. I'm like, wow, okay, this is pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious to try it out, but dang, I mean, I just recently found out that my PC is too old to use. The capture card um so yeah i need to upgrade my pc just to be able to do that let alone buy a vr rig and use that so yeah it's yeah it's crazy man it's, it's all really in due crazy time. yeah all in due time um moving on from that speaking of jeff Keeley and interviews the game awards is upon us yeah the yearly truncating of trailers for the coming year and giving awards to games is upon us. And oh boy, has it been a controversial one this time around. <laughs> um, with the announcements of the nominations, you can vote on, uh, on the games that you feel deserves to win whatever category that they're in. Um, and they actually did a cool thing with uh with google where if you type in uh tga vote yeah then you get a special um you get a special search for the game awards where you can click on the nominations and vote right there in in uh in uh in google oh that's cool which is really cool because the website itself got hammered the very first day it launched Really? So yeah, so you couldn't go to the website to vote because as soon as you tried to click on um, the categories, the website would crash <laughs> and give you a error message stating that um, try again later. So I had to vote through the other way, I which worked uh, perfectly fine. I haven't cast my vote yet, so uh... yeah. Um, speaking of casting votes, um, let's talk about the nominations. Because uh, if you if you look it up, Death Stranding and Control have a lot of nominations. I'm surprised that Control has a lot of nominations because Control didn't actually review that well. I mean, I got the oh, game. Oh, no, it reviewed. Like, the Metacritic is pretty solid for it. It's a solid 82. Really? Yeah. I it's just that not a lot of people were talking about it. I got it uh, together with my... Uh... When I bought my new GPU, so I can play it on PC. I just haven't gotten the play. time to download it and play it. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, 
the thing, the the biggest controversy here, well, the, uh, there's a few of them, but let me start with the biggest one, of course, the obvious one. Death Stranding has been nominated for, I think, eight categories, including Game of the Year. Um, and, well, people are already speculating, speculating and uh, getting annoyed. Oh, yeah, it got nominated because Jeff Keighley's in the game. Or it's the a Jeff Ke- Kojima game. Or exactly. And then Jeff Keighley had to come out and say that he doesn't have, take part in the nominations at all. There's a panel of judges that do it. And the panel of judges is basically um, outlets from around the world that get to, um, I think the point is that they vote. It's never been truly fully confirmed, but the panel of judges get to vote on, uh, get to nominate three titles for each category. Okay. And the Game Awards um, uh, officials, they tally up those those nomination votes, and that's how they get the five, four or five nominations per category, depending on how many games are out um, that year. And one of the other uh, things is that uh, the former editor-in-chief for uh, the Japanese outlet Famitsu was also in Death Stranding among a whole bunch of other celebrities. There are a lot of uh, celebrities in this game. But here's the thing. When it got reviewed by Famitsu, it got a perfect score, and the reviewers did not even mention that their former editor-in-chief, who is now the president of their publishing house, was a part of the game. And they get to cast nominations for this as well. So people were legit asking serious questions as to, and paying attention as to why are they allowed to, first of all, nominate titles? And second of all, why wasn't it disclosed? So, yeah, I mean, why would they do that? It's It sounds really fishy, you know? I can understand that. But maybe, I mean, I mean, I haven't played Death Stranding yet, and I'm neither have I. Yeah, but it's, it doesn't make it any less fishy. No, but like, I'm not willing to spend sixty bucks on the game. I've spoken to somebody that's played the game, and he said, like, I really enjoy the game because it is something different. It is something new, and it is something that it's like maybe because it's so new and different, people aren't used to that because people. Have like a certain they associate Hideo Kojima with a certain type of game, and let's be honest, he has always made the same kind of game. Um, that they associate him with okay, well, it'll probably be a stealth action game or something Metal Gear kind of like, and now it's something completely different. Um, because I told you, I thought it was going to be like a horror Metal Gear game, and it turned out to be a, a mailman game, and I mean, that's really dumbed down. Um, yeah. and because it's so new, people are like, yeah, well. This is probably the reason because they're trying to do something new. Yeah. And with other things, uh, with other controversies, people feel that certain titles have been snubbed. Um, Fire Emblem Tree Houses, for one, has been snubbed. People feel the hardest for music because I think I told you about, I think back when Fire Emblem Tree Houses came out, I was raving about how fantastic the sound the soundtrack is yes. and why Nintendo please if someone again from Nintendo is listening 
I would pay top dollar for a music subscription service from Nintendo to just listen to your soundtracks because I don't know what they've been doing the past decade or so, but a lot of their games have had killer soundtracks, including Fire Emblem Tree Houses, and it didn't even get nominated for that. It only got nominated for Best Strategy Game. Aren't uh, the soundtracks available on streaming services? No, they're not. Oh, that's funny. I know that with a few of Sony's games, the the composers themselves put them on like uh, Spotify. Or yeah, Nintendo is very um, conservative about those those kinds of things. Nintendo's a bit conservative about around like almost all the things they do. <laughs> and we should count our lucky stars that at least Pokemon Company is responsible for putting the soundtrack on streaming services, but Sword and Shield is not on there just yet. Oh but at God. least all the other games that came out are available on Apple Music and Spotify and stuff like that. Okay. But yeah, people feel that Fire Emblem got snubbed for that. Um, the best family game is all Nintendo titles, including Smash, which most people agree should not be in best family game. It just feels weird to say that it's a family game. I mean, people of all ages can play it fine, but it's just a weird thing. Could it not be and nominated for a fighting game? It is. It is nominated for Best Fighting Game. Ah, okay. You know what's also nominated for Best Fighting Game? No. Jump Force. Is it- and people hate Jump Force. <laughs> it's one of the worst rated fighting games of the year. But like maybe it's because, okay, we have to look at a category of games and then like, okay, which fighting games came out? And if it's only like a handful, then hey. But there were other fighting games that got better scores and did not end up on the list. I mean, better comparatively. We'll just have to wait and see for the results. It's a... I'm sorry. This year has been really weird with the nominations, though. It is a just gap a, year. I've been saying this the whole year. Yeah, but a gap year doesn't mean that you nom- that, that, that certain games that should be nominated for something else do not get it. Let me, let me predict how the Game Awards is going to be next year, because we'll probably have this conversation next year as well. The Last <laughs> of Us is going to gr- grab all categories. Or like, if it's in a category, it's going to grab it, and it's going to grab Best Game. Hmm. Well, we'll see until it comes out. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see until it comes out, because next year is also... I'm... I'm I'm so certain that Breath of the Wild 2 is going to come out next year. I was about to say that. Like, the only game that might interfere with that would be Breath of the Wild. And I think you're right. Breath of the Wild is going to come out next year because it's the only counter Nintendo has for an Xbox Scarlet. Because we don't know what they have in their, up their sleeve for next year. Yeah, okay, year but I don't them. expect them to come out with a new console. I mean... No, I don't think so either. And people keep talking about... The Switch Pro coming out soon or next year. Yeah, it's not happening next year. Yeah, anybody like that's the only counter they have, the only ace up their sleeve they have to play against a PS5 and an Xbox Scarlet if they kind of want to take away the attention. Yeah, that is their moment, and they will probably bring it out in the holiday season just around the corner when the new consoles come out because they're not going to release it in March because nobody wants that. Mm, Wait, you mean Sony? No, the Breath of the Wild sequel. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think... It's a holiday title. The, here's the thing. Even if they were... Even if they wanted to, I don't think the game would be ready by March of next year anyways. Oh. So. 
I mean, they announced it late, yeah, late, late last year or early this year. So early no. this year, yeah. So no, it's not going to be done by early next year. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I want to uh, I wanted to bring up uh, before we go to the next segment is, hey, guy or girl out there, do you like leaking stuff? Do you like ruining people's days by leaking stuff? <laughs> well, the Pokemon Company has got your number, and they're coming after you. With lawsuits, because they are going after the people that leaked the um, strategy guide stuff and leaked all the Pokemon stuff, um, like weeks prior to the release of the of the game. And considering how Game Freak has been so hush hush right up until uh, the launch of Pokemon Sword and Shield and what's going in there and all the Pokemon in there, yeah, they are not they are not messing around. They are going after the leakers really hard. They hired investigators to, or forensic investigators to find out who the people's accounts belong to on Discord and on Reddit. So they're not they're not messing around. They are going after them for the money, and mostly, of course, to make an example of them so that people will think twice before they leak the next Pokemon game. Wow, that's a uh... Harsh. I mean, it's not like they're unique in that position. Other developers have done it before. I mean, Epic did the same thing when people when a person leaked stuff from uh, from uh, Chapter Two. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes a leak can also be like free PR. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but if they here's the thing with the free PR with leaks. They set up these kind of things for months in advance. They have a whole roadmap of how they want to structurally announce stuff. As soon as someone leaks something way too early, then they suddenly have to scramble around it um, so that it works in their favor because they're not ready to show whatever it is that they want to show or they just want to keep it you know, on the, da- on the down low because they want to surprise people. I did not look at any of the leaks that came out for Pokemon and I was I was the more happy for it because I came across Pokemon that I never even thought of um that were super weird. Like my favorite Pokemon right now is a Pokemon called Phalanx that looks like a uh, it looks like a caterpillar but it's made out of six individual no sorry seven individual creatures. And they look like Spartans. What? Yeah, they're small, round creatures that look like Spartans. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. But I, I would, I would have that would have been spoiled for me if I looked up the leaks, right? But I just naturally came across them. I was like, "What is this weird creature I'm looking at?" And they're so fun to work with. Okay, okay, I'll give you that one. So yeah, I mean. I don't know if they're going to find them all and if they'll be able to successfully sue them, but this is a warning shot to those that would be would be leakers that would leak stuff in terms of Pokemon in this case. I think this is something that's like you can't prevent it. It will happen always because um, there's also like leaker talking about leaks there's somebody that leaked the possible release date for the playstation 5 and the pricing saying it's going to be november 20th next year and it's going to be 4.99 um and yeah it creates buzz and people are starting to think about it it is 
plausible that it's going to come out November 20th. And the price is also plausible. Um, I kind of expect it to go in that direction for mm-hmm. 49 four ninety nine. But like before we hear more, I mean, it's all speculation, you know, and we just have to wait and see. Yeah. But what that does create for Sony is that they're going to have lower sales of consoles, which they already have been having. Yeah, they have accounted now for you're, that already. But, uh... I'm assuming that they have already accounted for that. But yeah, it still kind of messes with your whole flow. Like with the with the release, they got really pissed when the um, uh, when the patent got leaked for the developer kits. I can't imagine. So... Yeah, so that is it for the news. We will be right back after this with what we have been playing. Yep, yep. And welcome back to the second segment with what we've been playing. Sean Templer, what have you been playing? I've been playing a couple of games. Um, one of them is uh, the Division Two, which I uh, bought earlier this year. Um, the Division Two has been getting a steady content, of, a steady stream of new content and also improvements. Um, and it's been a while since I've played it, so I go back once every time and just log in and play the new content. Um, they've added new uh, specializations, so when you um, reach level thirty, you can mm-hmm. branch out into specializations. So you choose a certain um build you want to specialize in so you that has like a special weapon uh one of the builds is a a 50 caliber sniper rifle a grenade launcher a crossbow with explosive darts Uh, those were the three that came out at launch and in the meantime they've added a build with a rocket launcher a build with a mini gun and there are more coming and then in that build yeah and the the cool part is 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 it takes the rpg mechanics like to a next level in the way that you play the game you gather xp and then when you level up again you get points that you can uh, put into that build so you can say okay i want extra damage on my assault rifle or um, every specialization has specific um, perks to put it that way that for example with the uh, grenade launcher per uh, build you can get less damage from explosions or from grenades so you can spec into that um, so that kind of you know you can you can customize and really specialize your build and your playstyle, which is really nice. Um, they've also added uh, the Pentagon missions, so you have like because the Division Two is setting Washington D.C. You have these, of course, these known landmarks that you go to, and now it's uh, Wash- the the Pentagon that's been added. I haven't played that mission yet, and just played it for a couple of hours. Um, but so far, I'm I'm liking it again. They've added. A targeted loop as a feature so if there's specific loot that you're looking for such as an assault rifle or you're looking for body armor or for uh, an, a sniper rifle there are either areas on the map where that loot will appear more or missions that will increase the chance of that loot dropping ah okay, yeah, okay, okay. but that's a nice feature uh, as well which i was i didn't know that they added that so when you start up the game it always gives you like a brief tutorial on the new features they've added in the time you've been away. Um, so it was really nice to see that uh, um, improved. I, I spent like a lot of time in the first division. And with this one, it's a little bit less time. Um, the divisions, like I love the game, but one of the make or break features is, is that 
it's it's a really fun game but you always have to play together with someone if you play it alone it can get really boring really quickly because there is also no no ai controlled character besides you helping you out so you kind of feel like the lone wolf constantly um which yeah it would be be nice nice, to have a it would be nice to have like a companion um character that that tags along yeah And, and the good part around this is that the matchmaking for the division is amazing. Like you can quickly jump into a mission with somebody. Matchmaking is really quick. I, I played a challenging mission yesterday, and within thirty seconds, I was already in a party with three other people playing. Nice. Yeah. So their matchmaking is is really good, and you can matchmake for specific missions or for free roam. So you can be in a, in a party of strangers if you want the whole the whole time. Um, so that's something they've really done well. Um, other developers could learn from that. <laughs> um besides division two i've been putting in some time with um modern warfare multiplayer still i just had a look at how much hours i've spent and i've almost spent 72 hours playing the modern warfare multiplayer. Dang, okay. i try to you know the tricky part with an fps is, is that if you play it in a multiplayer you have to keep playing it otherwise you become slower and mm. you kind of get out of shape and then it's no fun and anymore. And then you get sniped by 12-year-olds yep, that yep, yep, yep. test you out. And <laughs> yeah. then it's just like, I don't want to do this Yeah, anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but it's exactly that. The kind of FPS games struggle with the same things all over again. And um, what I've noticed with this Call of Duty is, is there are a lot more campers than I'm used to. Which really? is yeah, which is really annoying. I was playing with a with a colleague and he said, well, he went back to Black Ops 4 because he just can't take it. It doesn't feel <laughs> nice and he doesn't like the campers. Uh, I, I I've noticed it, but my play style is kinda like I'm a I always play hardcore, so it's always one hit kill. And I'm kinda like a, a John Wick out there with my pistol and I just run and gun, so I'm constantly on the move. Um mm. and that kinda takes it away so that makes it a little bit more easier for me um because i'm sliding and jumping and you know just doing crazy uh, john wick style um stuff and and that helps but there are instances in which i was playing a match yesterday and it was a guy who was constantly in the same spot constantly killing everybody and that it, it can get annoying they weren't there before though well they apparently there at launch. yeah yeah so what they've done is, is they've they've adjusted some some weapons and they've nerfed some weapons so i believe that it's called the meta of the game has shifted so for example yeah. shotguns got a huge nerf because there was one shotgun that was basically a sniper rifle you could just snipe somebody with it um and the okay. claymore mines and the proximity mines have received nerves as well so a lot less people using those things um so yeah the the, the, the meta of the game is shifting which is nice it's just creating this annoying situation in which a lot of people think you know what i'll just sit in a corner and i'll just wait for somebody to pass by which oh, happens boy. a lot yeah. yeah um yeah i remember I, that I, being an issue with the original uh modern warfare for a while yeah yeah they've announced uh the first season which kicks off soon and all the content that's going to be in there that are going to add uh, new weapons they're going to add uh, Crash, which is a map from the first Modern Warfare, the original one, which is one with the, the Crash Down uh, Chopper in the middle, which is a really nice one. Um, they're going to add Shipment. I don't know if you remember that one, but that's the, the really tiny map with the containers, which is like a really, really, really small map. Is that in Modern, Modern Warfare 2? Uh, I think it's in Modern Warfare 1. But they've kind okay, of then... brought this map to multiple Call of Duties because 
it's literally a crazy map because it's it's so tiny that you can if if an airstrike is dropped for example on that map everybody just dies because it's so tiny that everybody is automatically collateral damage um so they're <laughs> gonna add that map again um i read something around that they're gonna do something with a battle pass kind of like in fortnite that you um, unlock skins for your weapons and stuff like that um mm. i might buy one because they're i'm really? currently yeah because i mean i guess if you're playing I, it for long enough yeah and and i mean yeah 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 all right okay. yeah and I'm, I'm like focusing on the challenges a lot so there are challenges that give you either certain weapon builds or skins for your builds um which are really nice so i i'm trying to complete those and if they add more of those it mixes up the action a bit for me uh, i try to play with a lot of different weapons and i also want to level a lot a lot of weapons um that keeps it interesting um so yeah i'm, I'm, I'm putting my time in that and i try to get a few matches in every day or every once in two days because you know you gotta keep the muscle memory going yeah yeah <laughs> um besides division and modern warfare i've played a little bit more of pokemon um I really have to, I don't know, maybe if I travel a lot more, so I'm going to go on a trip today, so I'm going to take it with me in the train, so maybe I get to play some more in there. It's just that there's so much to play right now that I'm kind of overloaded with what I want to play. <laughs> uh, and, it, yeah, and the Pokemon is a bit overwhelming at, at some point. So I've, like, I've had the opening ceremony with the gyms, and now I'm going to collect my first gym badge. and. Nice. I, I'm there right now. So there's not a lot, like not a lot of hours in, but you know, I'm just trying to slowly get it. I got uh, Pikachu from my save for Pokemon Let's Go, so happy with that. Um, and that's basically my progress in Pokemon. <laughs> okay. And the cool. last game that I've been playing, and I mentioned it, and I got it in last time, but I haven't played it. I hadn't played it then. Is um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? Ooh, how's that been? I I really like it. It's um. It's two hours. I'm two hours in, I think. And um, when I started it initially, it really felt like I'm playing Uncharted, which is not a bad thing at all because I love Uncharted. And like the the first part of the game felt like the in Uncharted two, there's this segment which is based on a train, which is a really roll roller coaster kind of like experience, which was the same. I really like that. I really got Uncharted vibes. Um, the combat is is varied because um yes you can bounce a laser beam back when a stormtrooper hits you it really feels satisfying when you bounce it back and he dies um but the combat is a bit more like um like a dark souls or demon souls so that you have um you don't have your force powers at all times so you have to like attack your enemies and then you build up your force meter and then you can use your force powers and when you die, you lose all your XP and your life and stuff like that. And it, you go back and you kill that character again. You get it all back. Um, so it's kind of like the Dark Souls yeah. in there. Um, yeah, I heard something like that. Yeah, you, there are these points throughout the map where you can meditate. And when you meditate, you save the game. You can either upgrade your character with the skill points you've earned. And you can also rest, as they call it. And then you get your life refilled and your force refilled and your stims but what it also does is, is it respawns all the enemies in that area and yeah um i don't know if that's normal for a dark souls game because i've never yeah, actually that played is, those that games. is stripped straight out of dark souls yeah so it kind of 
annoyed me at first because I'm like, well, I spent so much time killing all these guys. Now I have to do it all over again. Um, graphically, uh, it's getting used to. Graphically, the game looks amazing. I'm playing it on my PS4 Pro, and you can choose if you want um, 60 FPS or if you want like a higher resolution. I chose the higher resolution because I like them pretty 4K textures. Runs at 30 then, right? Uh, yeah, it's locked at 30. Yeah. And locked like solid? So far, I haven't noticed any frame drops or anything like that. So it's pretty steady. All right. Yeah. That's great. Um, voice acting is, is nice. The, the motion, I think they did performance capture. So the facial animations are really on on, on par there. Um, a, a part of the story is a little bit predictable. It's not like super original. So in some cases, well, you're like, considering oh, where what's the story, happen here, you know. Considering when in the when in the timeline it's taking place. Yeah, there's not a lot of wiggle room for a happy ending. No, but more in the way that, like, you can, <laughs> in the first like maybe thirty minutes of the game, there's things that happen, and you can kind of already say, "Oh well, this is probably going to happen, and that's probably going to happen, and blah blah blah." And then it just does that, and then you're like, "Okay, well, it would have been a little bit more fun if I had been surprised with a different outcome." <laughs> uh, but you know, um, it is, I think. Besides Battlefront 2, because I liked Battlefront 2 as well, besides the controversy they had, I think mm-hmm. it's one of the the best or better Star Wars games we have had in recent years. Um, there is also a lot of puzzling in there. Some can get really annoying because I'm trapped in a cave right now and I need to get out. I don't know how. Um, yeah, so the game offers hints, but it's not really super clear on what kind of stuff. So sometimes I just grab a strategy guide and I look it up. I don't have the patience to figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's a solid buy. I would recommend it to everyone. Um, you will not regret it. Um, even I don't know what, what how many hours it takes to finish the single player, but even if it's like the standard six to seven hours, it's your money well spent. I mean, Uncharted as well isn't like a super long game, but it's like an action-packed roller coaster ride. Um, a lot of reviews reference that it's a mishmash of uh, Uncharted, God of War, Dark Souls, and stuff like that, and it doesn't do anything new. But to be honest, I think it's good that a game of this size plays it safe just to establish that they can do a good Star Wars game, and then there probably will be a sequel, that they innovate in the sequel, because let's face it, EA doesn't have the best name out there right now. So it's cool, mm-hmm. good for them to kind of like play it safe, you know, stick to what they know, and then hopefully... No microtransactions. Yeah, no microtransactions. And then maybe when Fallen Order 2 comes out, that they spice it up a little bit more. Well, that depends on how the game ends. I don't know. But, you know, knowing EA, they probably want to milk this out as much as they can. So Also, also, don't forget their 10 years is almost up. Uh, Yeah. So the here's the thing. People are apparently loving this game, and I think it's mostly because of the backlash of um Battlefield 2. <laughs> because that one burned people hard. Yeah. With microtransactions. With microtransactions. And just and, 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 the, and the balance of the game, because the microtransactions ruined the balance of the game even when they took it out. Yeah, but the funny thing about that game is, is that game is in year two right now. And they have added so many features to it. 
I mean, really? Yeah. And the funny thing is, is I don't know if if it's being kind of like it's below the radar or not, but I check their YouTube channel every once and often, and they've added a lot of Clone Wars content, and they're doing a lot of stuff with Battlefront 2. I just don't play it enough, but... Yeah, but who talks about it? That, I don't hear anybody thing. talking See, about so it. They're, they're, like, they're, they're putting a lot of stuff in there, and you don't hear anything about it, which is a huge bummer, because the game looks gorgeous. It really plays nice. The single player was fun. Um, and they're, I mean, they added a whole Clone Wars chapter to the game, and it's really nice, but nobody talks about it. Hmm. It actually wanted me to kind of try it out again, so um, I'm going to try that out again. Cause Is it on EA Access? Uh, it's on EA Access, I think, yeah. Mm, might actually check it out then on my PlayStation 4. Yeah. Um, that's my list. Um, I don't know how long yours is, but I'm going to hand it over to you, and <laughs> we'll hear from you now. Well, mine is easy because it's literally only one game. Um, which is the game that I started la uh, last episode, which is Pokemon Shield. Um, I finished the main story. I finished the post content. So now I'm gearing up for the first online tournament. Um, as I stated in the last episode, um, this will be the first time that I'm actually trying to be more competitive because they, are, they made it a whole lot easier to be um, to enter the competitive scene with Pokemon. Um, but the thing is, the only way you can do that is to beat the game and get to the post content. Uh, post content, sorry. So for people that are listening right now who are not there and don't want to have it spoiled, this is your spoiler warning because I'm going to go into some stuff that's post game. Does this have to mean I have to take off my headphones now and walk away and let you talk for 30 minutes? Well, that's the question. Do you want it? I'm not going to talk about uh, I'm not going to talk about story stuff, to be clear. Yeah, it's more gameplay stuff. OK, um, so you don't have ooh. to take off your headphones if you want to. And it's not going to be that long. OK, cool. Yeah. All right. So this is your spoiler warning. Um, so when uh, like literally a week before the game launched they finally revealed what they were going to do for the competitive scene and they introduced a new item type called mints now these mints change the nature of your pokemon and why is that important the mints dictate which stats get a boost or get a drop during the pokemon's um well, growth, as in when you level them up, which stats go higher, which stats go lower. Um, some uh, natures uh, will, for example, give a boost to the Pokemon's attack and then uh, give a lesser boost to special defense. Or one will boost special attack and lower uh, defense. And some will be neutral, so they won't boost or uh, boost or um, I guess you would call it nerf um, a stat at all. So that's what most competitive uh, players use when they try to breed Pokemon, which takes forever if you do it that way. But with the mints, you can actually change the natures to what you want so that you can manipulate the Pokemon's growth and then use breeding to get the perfect Pokemon that you want competitively so in that way 
Um, Game Freak has made the competitive scene way more open to even more Pokemon because during in the competitive scene, you always have a fixed amount of Pokemon that you can use that were viable for competitive play. If you use any other Pokemon, then you're just throwing away your match, as it were, and wasting your time trying to breed one with perfect IVs, um, which is the underlying stats for the Pokemon. And the only way you can get these mints is when you finally beat the game and go to the battle tower and then earn points during the battle tower because that has its own currency. And with the battle points that you accrue there, that's how you get the mints. It's not, it's essentially not that hard, but the, the challenge with the battle tower is that the buffs that you get during the main game are not applicable to the battle tower. So if you have your Pokemon team and you've been building up their friendship to get extra boosts during battles, those don't exist during the battle tower. So it's purely the stats of your Pokemon and your own skills in terms of uh, what the best moveset is for your Pokemon, um, the best counters, the best offensive, the best defensive strategies that you can throw at it. So the battle tower is a good way to prep yourself to get into the competitive scene. Um, and it allows you to get the mints to adapt your Pokemon to the right uh, natures. And then you can use that to breed the Pokemon that you want. And even if the Pokemon that you hatch don't have the right, doesn't have the right um, nature, but does have the right IVs that you want, you can always change that nature for them and have it work for you. So... That's basically it. That's what I'm working on right now outside of doing the Dynamaxing thing with the wild, the, with the max raid battles. Max raid battles, by the way, are awesome. Have you tried those already? No, I'm only two hours in, so we're like... Uh... Oh, man. I think, I think when, you, when you go back to the wild area and you start doing the, the, the max raid battles, you're going to love it. Because I think it I also is... need Nintendo online services because a lot of things when I try to do it, it says you need to have the Nintendo subscription. Oh, you don't have it? No, because I never play online. Ah, uh, yeah, you do need that though. And honestly, that is the best way to play it because if you go online, you can actually play with other players. And I have noticed something really weird. Oh, by the way, spoilers over. So if you if you cannot come back, come back. Um. I have noticed something weird when it comes to raid battles because people can see um, in a in a special feed what raid battle you're going up against, and you can see the silhouette of the Pokemon. So if you recognize the silhouette of the Pokemon, you can choose whether to jump in and uh, play along with the other person that's um, looking for other people to play with, or you cannot. Meaning that if you see someone playing against a rare Pokemon in a max raid battle, everybody's going to try and jump in on that so that they can get a piece with it. And a max raid battle only allows up to four people to play. And if you're playing a very tough Pokemon in a max raid battle, but it's one that people don't care about, you will get ignored. <laughs> Nobody will jump in. And it's, I don't know if that's on purpose, but I feel that it is because every time it was a Pokemon that I don't have yet and I wanted to get it, but it's a basic Pokemon. It's not a Gigantamax Pokemon. 
I get ignored. But as soon as it's a Gigantamax Pokemon, everybody's on board all of a sudden. Okay. So that's... And when you play with NPCs on the higher rankings, they you, they, they don't just dump you into five-star rankings until you get to a certain level. Now I only get five or four-star or maybe three-star rankings sometimes. But five-star rankings are really tough. And you cannot... You cannot get it done with NPCs. The NPCs Pokemon suck. <laughs> they always choose the worst Pokemon and they always use the worst strategies. You do not want to play with NPCs on higher ranking, on higher, on five star or four star, because the strategy that the Pokemon uses on four and five stars is just way tougher and you need humans to actually coordinate, even though there's no voice acting. Um, voice chat. Okay. <laughs> but everybody understands what max rate battles are supposed to be, so everybody understands their role when they're in it. But the NPC just does whatever it wants. <sighs> it is really annoying. And it'll always get knocked out, and then you get knocked out of the max raid battle. Ugh. I see. Other than that, I've been enjoying the game. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Other than that, I've been enjoying the out of the game um, the, um catching pokemon is fun like it, like i said before in the new segment discovering new pokemon um, that were made specifically for this game and even the galarian form so uh, pokemon that were introduced in other generations that have new forms here those were really unexpected like uh, like i said in the previous episode galarian meowth looks like taz the tasmanian devil Oh, that's and it's, and it's and it's evolved form looks like. So do you do you remember the um, do you remember the cartoon Vicky the Viking that was on the TV back in the day in the nineties? Was was about this little kid. My head. Uh... What what it was about this little kid called uh, Vicky who was this Viking kid and he went on adventures with you know his Viking dad and friends uh, all over the seas. It doesn't he, ring a bell. The, the evolution of Galarian Meowth feels like it would be his pet because it looks like a Viking. Okay. Like straight up Viking horns and everything. Okay. I it had, is hilarious. Uh, my score bunny has evolved into next form and kind of looks cool. Um, oh, Raboot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't expect it. So that was fun when I was playing a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't worry, it doesn't evolve into a firefighting type. It's a pure fire type. It's good. Yay. Which is also actually something that is um, very unique with this Pokemon game. This is the first time that none of the starters end up having a secondary typing. They're all pure grass, water, fire from start to finish, which is amazing because I don't think they've ever done that before. It's been no, wait. 20 years since I played Pokemon, so you can tell me anything and I'll believe you. Yeah, I think the only time they did that was with Pokemon Sword um, Gold and Silver. And even then, I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's actually really cool. I like the evolutions. Um, some people don't like the final evolutions of certain Pokemon. Um uh, there are people that don't like the final evolution of uh, of uh, Sable or the final evolution of Grookey, which seriously, 
the final evolution of Grookey is awesome because it's just a big ass drummer guy with a lot of hair. He looks like a Super Saiyan three. Oh wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, a Super Saiyan three with drums. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I finished the game. I finished the post game. My main focus right now is um, getting ready for the online tournament, which starts. Uh, I think this Wednesday, so the time this episode goes live, or a couple of days after that. So I'll see how I do there, and I'll see how viable it is to be competitive in this game. And all I can do is my best. Do keep us in the loop on how it goes. I will let you guys know. Um, and hopefully by then I'll also be able to catch up on some other games that I have let by the wayside, like Luigi's Mansion 3 and Astral Chain. So now that I've at least finished like the main storyline of the Pokemon game, so I can focus on that. Nice. Um, but that's basically what I've been playing. Cool. Well, <laughs> people should stick around because we'll be back with our hidden gem. Yep. Alrighty, welcome back everybody to our last segment, the Hidden Gem. Hidden Gems! Oh, I just love it when you do that. <laughs> so, uh, Maximilian, what is your Hidden Gem? Well, my Hidden Gem is truly a Hidden Gem, because if you're able to find this game for a reasonable price, then you should pick it up right away. Because this is none other than Uniracers for the Super Nintendo, of, or if you're in the PAL territories, Unirally. I've never heard of that. Really? Because the developers of this game you probably heard of. Which are? DMA Design. Isn't that uh, Rockstar these days? Yep. Specifically in Rockstar North. So... Uniracers or Unirally was this um, game, a racing game, in fact, uh, where you play as a sentient unicycle and race against other sentient unicycles. <laughs> what? And it was the funnest thing because the way it works is that, yes, you are racing against other unicycles, but the way you pick up speed is by pulling off tricks. So you have to do tricks by jumping and then doing corkscrews or uh, reverse corkscrews or uh, backflips and spins and yada, yada, yada. And it's all pre-rendered um, graphics. So the kind of like the, the, silicon, the, the, um, the silicon system graphics that they use for Donkey Kong Country, that kind of aesthetic. And it looks super trippy because the, the, the roads are basically like these color-coded Twizzlers. And you're racing all over it. And you go upside down and go in loop-de-loops and stuff like that. It's really fun. Plays the, 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 the gameplay is really tight. Um, it came out uh, around 94, 95. But here's where things get a little bit annoying. So you've heard of Pixar, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Pixar 
sued DMA Designs because they said that their design of a unicycle yeah. looked like their unicycle that they used in their short that they made back in the 80s. This was when they were still doing like these super short um uh super short shorts uh using 3D models. And they say they said that it looks like their design, therefore they can't make or they can't sell unit racers anymore. And the judge that presided over that um decision agreed with Pixar. What? It's a unicycle. How is it else going to look like then other than a unicycle? I have no idea. So guess what? They won and they had to take the game off the market. So it is a rare gem. Wow. So when I say this is a hidden gem, this truly is a hidden gem. I used to rent this from the from the video from my local video store, which was the video chain here. Shout out to Video Land, old school, not new school. Um because it's now just a streaming service. Um, but I used to rent a lot of games, and Uniracers was one of them. And I enjoyed the heck out of Uniracers back then. And it's a shame that that game got pulled off the shelves. And there's no way this game will ever get a remake or get re-released in any way, because unless that decision gets overturned, it ain't happening. So if you come across uniracers or unirally for a decent price pick it up don't even hesitate just pick it up because it is a fun racing game you can play two players simultaneously or you can play against the computer but honestly why would you because the computer cheats but playing against another human being is always fun do you have the game no i do not that's a shame yes it is it is very much a shame. Well, somebody told me if you see the game, don't hesitate and buy the game. <laughs> <laughs> buy it. And if you can let me know, then please do. It's very fun. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, man. I, I don't know who's, whose quote this is on, uh, on Wikipedia, but uh oh it's from it's from uh, one of the game designers uh from dma designs back then robbie graham recalled they took footage from red's dream that's the short from pixar and compared it to unirally and the unicycles were virtually the same this isn't a big su uh, surprise as there's not a lot of ways you can bring to that you can bring life to a unicycle without looking uh at looking like the pixar one did the judge being the moron that he was, agreed. End quote. Wow. <laughs> that is That's a wild. very that is a very good quote. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So yeah, it's a shame. I mean, it didn't get the best scores, but it was again, just because a game doesn't get good scores doesn't mean it's not a fun game. I agree. Um, so, Sean Templar, what is your hidden gem? Um, it's maybe not so specifically a specific game, but more like a franchise. And it's a franchise that we haven't gotten a game in for a while now. And everybody kind of hopes they do bring out a game in this franchise, which is 
Splinter Cell franchise. Oh, snap. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, like, I, pl- I played almost every one of, of all of them. Maybe, like, mm-hmm. not finished all of them, but I played, like, a lot of them. And it was when it initially came out, I think it was a timed exclusive on Xbox first and it came to the PS2 later. Mm -hmm. I bought it on PS2 and I really liked the game because it left no room for error. It was really punishing in a way that if you, it it was kind of like directly up against Metal Gear Solid there. Yeah. You you couldn't wing it like you could do it in Metal Gear. You had to be precise and calculated and take it slow. If you didn't do that, it was game over. For people that don't know, Splinter Cell is a game developed by Ubisoft. Um, you play as a third echelon operative called Sam Fisher, which is uh, not like a CIA hidden black ops team. Um, and they revolve around, uh, you know, finding bad guys around the globe. So there's a few games in the franchise. They started out on the PS2. And the last game that came out was on the PS3. So um, bummer that there is no PS4 release. Um, and so throughout the games, you follow this character called Sam Fisher and other characters in um, Third Echelon uh, around the different missions. He learns new moves, new gadgets, all sorts of stuff throughout the games. Um, the initial games are a lot more focused on really stealthy uh, mechanics so that you have silenced weapons or you have this this, uh, this this rifle that has all sorts of attachments with cameras and with shock grenades and sticky grenades that can shock people, you could lure people away. Um, your character was also pretty acrobatic, so you could climb up to things or you could uh, stand in between the wall and then maybe shoot people down below. Um, the, the later games became a little bit more action-oriented and a little bit more violent. So you could, for example, in uh, either the third one or in the fourth one in Double Agent, you could... You had a knife with you, so you could either take out somebody uh, non-violent or you could just slash his throat and then just carry away the body, um, which was kind of different because normally it was like, hey, don't harm people. Just, you know, knock them out and bring them away. Mm-hmm. Um, the last game in the franchise was uh, Blacklist. And in that game, you played as a younger Sam Fisher, or at least it looked like a younger Sam Fisher. I don't know if they kind of rebooted the game there or not. Um, Starting from, I think, Splint Cell Conviction, you had like an older Sam Fisher and uh, and it had a completely different um, play to it. There were mechanics added that you could, for example, mark certain targets and then up to three, you could take them out all simultaneously. The game became a little more action-oriented. Um, Blacklist took you all over the place, all over the globe. Um Third echelon became fourth echelon because something happened in the story in which they had to disband the third echelon. Um, a lot of people really missed this game. I mean, it was a really fun game. The game had multiplayer. I never really played it because it wasn't really my my area. I always heard mixed stories around it. Um, but people were generally always positive around the games. And it's it's Ubisoft has, I believe, said that, hey, um, Splinter Cell is a franchise we hold uh, near and dear. It's something that might get some attention in the future, but right now we have nothing to announce regarding this. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that they do do something with it, especially seeing as that uh, UB is focusing a lot more on the kind of futuristic themed games such as Watch Dogs and uh, uh, 
um, Ghost Recon. So those games are a bit more modern slash futuristic. So I think like a Splinter Cell would fit in greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a bummer that that they haven't done anything on PS4 and. Every time there is an E3, people are kind of hoping for a glimpse at a a split cell game. But uh, every time they kind of hold out and uh, they bring out new IPs, something for the best, sometimes for the best, sometimes for the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I black blacklist was the last one, right? Yes. How well was that one received? Because I don't like I don't remember people talking about that one a lot. Um, at the time when it came out, it was really well received. Uh, I uh, played it on the PC. It really looked gorgeous. Played nice with a mouse and keyboard. Um, check. I think I actually... Actually, now that I think about it, I actually bought that one on... You'll never guess which version I bought. The Wii version? The Wii U version. Oh, great. It has a it was me- on it was on sale. The, the Metacritic, <laughs> yeah, the Metacritic is eighty two. All right, uh, okay. The Wii U okay. version is seventy five. Yeah, I think there were certain things with the Wii U version, like uh, I think maybe not the the graphical the fidelity was a little bit lower, I think, and that's maybe the reason why the Metacritic is a yeah. bit lower. IGN gave it a nine point two at the time. Yeah. Damn. Wow, that's high. Yeah, so here's hoping they uh, they bring the game back. Uh, I mean, Sam Fisher has made appearances in other games, so there is um, a crossover with uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Mm. Which you can get his outfit, and his outfit is also available in uh, in Division. But he also plays a character. He is as a character appears in Ghost Recon Wildlands on certain missions. It was a I don't know if it was a timed mission for a short period, or it's like a mission that's regularly in there. Uh, but I remember seeing videos that Ubisoft released with Sam Fisher partnering and teaming up with the ghosts and doing something in. Uh... Whoa, I just forgot in which country Wildlands is based. <laughs> it's in South America. And we... Yeah, it's an actual country, yeah. unlike uh, Badlands. Bolivia? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> just I look that up because I, I need to know right now. Yeah, it's uh, Bolivia. Yeah, see, yeah, got it. yeah. So, yeah, um, here's hoping that UB makes a new um, Splinter Cell game, and we don't know. We kind of hope. That's it. That's my hidden gem, and with that, we have come to the end of another episode of Game Rivals. Yes, we have. Thank you for listening. Um, we always want to hear about your feedback, so you can leave us a tweet at game underscore rivals underscore. You can reach out to Maximilian at Maximilian. You can email us at GameRivalsFeedback at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel, which he has. Maximilian has posted an unboxing video of uh, The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, the special steelbook, yada, 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 wada, 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 edition. Um, I'm going to be releasing a video around my first hour with um, Jedi Fallen Order soon. And also maybe a Modern Warfare video in which you can see some clips of me playing if you're into that. Um, We also have a survey that we've put up. We would love to hear your feedback. It's really simple, really short. Just kind of let us know. We're working on some new ideas for season two, which we are almost approaching. Um, So we kind of want to do something new for that. Um, You can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms, such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. 
Overcast, Google or something, you know, you if if it's there, if it's a podcasting platform, chances are we're there. Um, you can also leave us a voice message through the Anchor app or through the link in the description. You do not have to make an Anchor account. You can just leave us some comment or feedback or heck, you might even be featured as a game rival. Um, have I nailed it this way? Yeah, that's pretty much it. The only thing you're missing was the Game Rivals feedback email address. I think I mentioned did. that one. You did, you did? I think I did, after your Twitter handle. Ah, okay, wait. Huh. And then I guess I missed that one. Then, that's all right, okay. we're good to go. Any last words before we send it home? Um. Yeah, again, uh, much, much love to you all for sticking with us and listening to uh, every episode. We are very grateful. Um, don't forget to um, give us a five-star rating on whatever podcasting service that you're on, which helps us with visibility. Um, and don't forget to spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family members that might like listening to uh, two guys just talking about video games uh, for, uh, for a couple of hours just to fill your time and, you know, have some company with you. And, yeah, that's it. Um, so till next time, this has been Maximilian X. And Sean Templer. Signing off and have a good one.